0: You're listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast. That's a.k.a. Murph. And that's AP. And this is the podcast where we
1: talk about cycling just for the fun of it. With tales from all over the nation, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Hey, hey, AP. Hey, Murph. We're
0: back from the bright. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. What a year. I know. It was insane. The towns were amazing. The weather was amazing. The people were amazing. I mean, what more could we ask for? Oh, my gosh. it, it
1: Everything about this year was just mind-blowingly awesome. And gosh, I, I'm going to speak for all listeners to say thank you to you, to Anne, to Matt Fippin, the new director. Oh, my gosh. You guys
0: just nailed it. Well, I'll say a lot of hard work went into this, not just from us, but also from the communities and from all their volunteers. I mean, but all that hard work paid off and it just was nearly perfect. As close to perfect as a rag bride can be.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you posted um, some photos of the crew and it's mind blowing to see how many people are behind the scenes of this operation,
0: which, you
1: know. I'm at a point kind of an advantage because I know a little bit about what happens behind the scenes. And then I'm also a rider, but to know how many people are on the rag Bride crew. And then you take that and add in every single community has a huge, huge group of volunteers that are you yeah. know, running the show yeah. in their area. It's just, I don't know. It's hard to wrap my head around.
0: Yeah. Oftentimes hundreds of volunteers per community, depending on, what they're trying to pull off, but for example, Mason City, I think they had over four hundred volunteers.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And with our crew, I mean, you don't think you only ever see pieces of the crew at one time. Yeah, you see a sag driver, or you see the baggage team, or you see the kids and the merchandise and adults in the merchandise trailer. Yeah. Um, but you never see them all together like that, and it's just fun to get everybody all in one group.
1: Yeah, and I have to give a shout out too to Lansing, who what the population is less than a thousand, isn't it? Yeah, yep. I, I know it's very small, but yet when I was waiting to dip my tire, I I couldn't even count how many volunteers were down there grabbing people's phone, taking the photo of them dipping their tire, you know, for the rider. So yeah, and you take that, and then you've got you know all the food places and the music and you know all the restaurants that were open. Ah, uh, I I don't know. I just I'm still in awe
0: i mean all the towns deserve kudos this year i think lansing deserves the most improved award because the (laughs) last time we were there it was just there was a lot of traffic and things got difficult but uh this year things went incredibly smoothly there was even a point where the two dip sites got backed up so they opened up a third dip site cleared the congestion closed it back up let people keep dipping i mean it was just (laughs) flawless It
1: was really awesome. You know what what else that I want to point out, which I know you want to as well? How many people recognized us? (laughs) Yes, it was incredible. You and I would be walking down the street talking, and then somebody would come out of nowhere and be like, I recognize your voices. Are you Murph and AP? And we would be like, yes, we are. Yeah.
0: My favorite is when they're like, which one are you, Murph or (laughs) AP? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yep. And so, you know,
1: obviously you were in a vehicle most of the week and then I was on my bicycle. So when I'd be biking and I'd have uh, either my Jesco bike jersey or my Murphologies jersey, same thing would happen to me. They would either say, Oh, do you know anything about that podcast? And I'd be like, Yeah, I do. And they're like, Oh, I know that voice. Are you Murph or are you AP?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, it was so fun. And I also love that people. Like, and I encourage you to continue doing this. People felt comfortable coming up to me and asking me questions about the ride, about the podcast, about whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm that's what I'm there for. Like, please come up and ask me if you want to know where the closest beer tent is or where the closest porta potty is. Yeah. Look, I'm there for you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, I
1: am there too to talk about the podcast and. You know, I got some good ideas on future podcasts and uh, got to hear, you know, everyone seems to love the um, overview of the Overnight Towns that we put out yeah. the week before Ragbry. So, yes, we will continue to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And definitely, or maybe even more, you know, involved in it or more detailed. Um, we want to give you what you want to listen to. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So another opportunity
1: that riders can have to meet Murph and AP is coming up. Is that correct?
0: That's right. It's called TGIF, the Great Iowa Fall Ride. Ooh. And funny enough, it's actually on a Saturday. Oh. <laughs> but it will be on Saturday, October 8th. And it'll be centered around the city of Cumming, which is, I believe, southwest of Des Moines. And... um It's just always a really fun time celebrating fall, you know, kind of apple cider, pumpkin, amber beer kind of vibe.
1: I had a blast on the fall ride last year, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. And will you be, I know you'll be working, of course, but will you also be able
0: to ride? You know, I'm not sure about that. I sure would love to. Well, Um, it's one of my favorite rides in the Des Moines area.
1: Yeah. And I guess even if you don't ride, there'll still be plenty of opportunity for Murph and AP sightings together. So uh, everyone, you know, definitely get registered to come to the fall ride, come to coming Iowa. It's a beautiful time of the year to be in Iowa.
0: Yeah. And I have Facebook pages set up for just look for the Great Iowa Fall Ride. Or you can go to ragbry.com and there's information there too. So Sweet. should be pretty easy to find the info.
1: Okay, so we have a really good interview coming up. But first off, let's go back to Ragbri. There's got to okay. be some favorites
0: in your head. Oh, I have a 1,001 favorites, but you made me pick ones that weren't all hanging out with Murph. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so some of my other favorites. Are, I have to. My number one favorite has to be uh, when we had Trooper State, Iowa State Trooper Appreciation Day. Yeah. And we all had them all up on the stage in West Union and we gave them a big thank you. And we had a memorial for some of the fallen troopers and also a celebration of the troopers that had saved lives with AED machines on the ride. And it was just so meaningful. Like there wasn't a dry eye on the stage, but it was just really cool to recognize them like that.
1: Yes, and I was in the crowd while you were, you guys were all up on stage, and there was, a, there were a lot of tears in the audience too. It was very, it was a really meaningful presentation.
0: Yeah, it was just really neat. And then they threw a bunch of koozies into the crowd, which I thought was fun. <laughs> <It> really <laughs> shows the dynamic of like they're there for serious, they're there for our safety and protection, but then they also have a good time. So <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, one of my favorites. If anybody was. Oh, I'm sure there are plenty of people listening, We're at the band in Charles City. They were mm. called Viva Knievel. Mm. And I i don't know. this. I'm not going to say it was my favorite band because I would hate to, you know, not talk highly of all the bands on Rag Bright. But these guys nailed it. I hope that they get invited back by a town next year.
0: Oh, I hope so, too. This is their first year on Rag Bright, And they're just like... If you weren't there, they're sort of like a funky jam band mm-hmm. with a lot of energy, and they're all kind of dressed like Evel Knievel. Mm-hmm. So it was just, <laughs> they have the perfect vibe for Rag Bray. Ah, I
1: absolutely loved it, yes. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, I have another moment, and then, and then if you have another moment, okay? Okay. So I wasn't actually present for this, but my friend Joanne McKillop – hello, Joanne – she sent me a video of a moment that happened in Battle Creek – And it was basically the band was playing. There was a snow fence kind of separating, you know, the beer garden from the rest of Battle Creek. And there was a um, assisted living home next door. And there was Mm. one woman sitting in her wheelchair. And she started raising her hands to the music, kind of dancing, you know, chair dancing. And everyone in the beer garden turned around and did it back to her. And it was amazing. And um, oh. my friend Joanne got it on video. I'm sure a ton of people got it in, on video. And you can find it on the RegBri Facebook and Instagram page to see that moment. Um, but her name was Arlene Miller, and she was having the time of her life.
0: Oh, that's adorable. And that's what RegBri is all about is getting out there and connecting with people in the community that you may never meet. Oh, yeah. It, I love so. this. I've, I've watched the video uh, quite a few times. Oh, uh, yeah. I know I did, too. So you know, well, good for her. I hope she had a good time and um, enjoyed her little moment with Rag Bry. Yeah, yeah. She deserves it. So I guess my last, ah, there's so many favorite moments from the week. I just had such a good time. Um, I think I would have to go with the concert also and say the Sugar Ray concert. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it was just such a jam. Like they played their old favorites. They played a lot of covers and it was kind of like being back in. Well, I won't say what age I was when sugar was popular but like <laughs> back in
1: the day <laughs> and it, it actually like rained a little bit and sprinkled and
0: it did not deter the crowds I mean it was still a blast yes absolutely uh there were sure a lot of people I don't know how many people were in the crowd enjoying that day but there were a lot yes so I agree yeah. and I also say I agree with you in that all the concerts were incredible but you made me pick only a couple of favorite things so <laughs> 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 oh, down.
1: Can you imagine when we're doing this podcast a year from now and celebrating, you know, RAGBRAI 50, I'm going to guess that there's going to be some pretty good entertainment. So we will, oh. we may have to uh, have a podcast just about entertainment. I think we will. Okay, good.
0: Um, and I'd like to give a quick shout out to Big Grove because when one of the days I put a bunch of Big Grove tattoos on my leg. That was like a week ago. They're still there, and they still look great. So you got some high-quality temporary tattoos there, Big Grove, <laughs> unless they were permanent. <laughs> well,
1: I still have the Big Grove tree tattoo on my yeah. leg, so you're right. Um, yeah. and, and for those you know listening who maybe don't remember, Big Grove makes the official beer of Rag Bri, which is called Tailwind. And That's I right. bet you a lot of people listening had one or two that week. Oh, our listeners never – I don't know. Okay, my last favorite uh, is also a segue into today's interview guest. Mm. I got the chance to meet one of my favorite, favorite, favorite bicycle adventurer, Ryan Van Duzer. Yeah. So Ryan, like, okay, this guy is extraordinary. He's um, a TV personality. He's a bike adventurer. He's a really big YouTuber. And he's also an endurance runner, so the guy can do a little bit of everything. Like, he goes to Burning Man and does, he does like a really long distance run. I can't remember if it's 100 miles or 30, I don't know. It's way way longer than I can run. Um,
0: Most people go to Burning Man to
1: relax. (laughs) Right, I know, yeah. And he um, was my inspiration when I went and did that crazy mountain bike trip um, the San Juan Mountain hut-to-hut yeah. system. It was because of him. I saw his YouTube videos, showed him to my friends. We all got hooked and decided to go. So anyway, so Doozer has done Ragbri four or five times, and this year he did it with his girlfriend, Amelia, and they also had a blast. So, so you guys have to listen to this interview because Ryan shares all of his memories and his experiences of Ragbri, and then also a lot of his other adventures. So I don't know. I just... I really appreciate all of, all that this guy does to promote his adventures, and he's super inspiring. So should we listen?
0: Yeah, and if you could tap a little bit of his energy for me, I could use it about now. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here's doozer.
1: All right. Well, I'd like to welcome Mr. Ryan Van Duzer to the podcast. Hey, Ryan.
2: Hello, hello. nice well, to be here.
1: Or should we call you Doozer? Like, do you have do you go by a nickname?
2: Yeah, a lot of people call me doozer. I mean, as growing up as a kid, that was like the cool way to address me. Yeah. But I, I don't ever introduce myself as Doozer. That sounds a little silly. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm Doozer. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll tell people my name is Ryan, but people usually just pick up and call me Doozer anyway.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, my name is actually, people might not know, but I do have a real name, which is Kathy, but most people call me Murph. And as life has gone on, I now start introducing myself as Murph. But it's probably because (laughs) of this podcast, because, you know, when people see me, they'll be like, are you Murph? And I'm like, "Uh, all right. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. so for listeners, I, I don't know if there's anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, but like... I've been following you for a long time. Um, and by following you I don't mean literally. Like I'm not <laughs> in your home. Are you right t- behind me right now? <laughs> I'm peeking in the window and I okay. I like that shirt you have.
2: Thank oh, it's a good shirt. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's the Doozer and Murph podcast show yes.
1: shirt. But wait, where's mine then? That's crazy.
2: Oh, it's in the mail.
1: <laughs> okay, but anyway, um okay, listeners, don't do it now because I want you to listen to this interview, but when we're done, go to YouTube and type in Doozer TV and you'll get a taste for what this man has done. Um and Ryan, I mean, you're a bicycle adventure junkie for sure. But I've also described you as a filmmaker, a TV personality. Of course, I just mentioned being a YouTuber. But there's so much more to you. So how would you describe you?
2: Well, I'm a mama's boy. (laughs) No. You know, I'm born and raised here in Boulder, Colorado. And I grew up with the great outdoors right outside my back door. So I've been very fortunate and lucky to have grown up in a town like this that really values nature and exercise and Mm -hmm. bikes and running and all sorts of fun stuff. So, um, you know, I've always just really loved being outside. Mm -hmm. And that is what led to my career, essentially, is I I wanted to start a show about uh, going outside and inspiring people to get off their couches to challenge themselves. So way back in 2006, I started a public access TV show inspired by Wayne's World completely. And the show was called Out There. And I would run around Boulder with a little Sony Handycam and film these goofy little adventures and make a half-hour show that would play in public access. And that's how my career got started. you know. And I loved it. It was fun. It was exciting. I didn't make any money because it's public access, so I lived in my mom's basement for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) That's why maybe I'm the mama's boy. And slowly have made a career out of This whole crazy idea of, you know, going on adventures and inspiring people to get out there.
1: And I will count myself as one of the people you inspired. And specifically, uh, it was the San Juan Hut trip that you did, which Mm. was the Hut to Hut. And I I would... I don't know if I can really say I have any mountain biking skills, but Mm -hmm. we shared your videos amongst my friend group and found eight people willing to do it. And we did that trip. And I'm still not a mountain biker, but holy moly, that was one of the most epic adventures I've been on.
2: Yeah, they do a good job at those adventures and they're beautiful. And the mileage is attainable and, you know, you know, you don't have to be an expert to pull it off. And then you don't have to carry a lot of gear because the huts have all the food and sleeping equipment.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which what was the candy bar that you were. So, Oh, the
2: uh, nut, nutty bars or whatever they're called.
1: Uh, no, uh, um, no sa- salted, salted nut, nut rolls. rolls. yes. Salted
2: nut rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Those are still gross in my book. <laughs> <laughs> but I caused a lot of YouTube controversy because I ripped on them in my videos. And people in the comment section really went to town about their love for salted nut rolls. I
1: I'm sorry, I am one of the people that love salted nut rolls. I mean, <laughs> they won't melt in your bag. Like, come on.
2: Yeah, that's true. I guess that's a plus. But just, <laughs> yeah, when you have a choice between a salted nut roll and a Snickers, I mean, come on. It's oh an yes. Easy
1: choice. Okay, you're right. You're right. I would for <laughs> sure snick, pick the Snickers every time. So,
0: yeah. okay.
1: So, um, you know, beyond San Juan Huts and like beautiful. Uh, I guess you'd say the entire U.S. is beautiful at some level. But you said you live in Boulder. And Mm -hmm. also based on your videos, I know you can almost walk outside your home and be on trails and in nature. So tell us a little bit about Boulder and biking.
2: I'm actually sitting outside right now under a tree behind my apartment looking at the foothills. I am steps away from all the the trails in this area. Yeah, but Boulder's always been a really bike-friendly city um starting way back i don't know in the 70s the city really started prioritizing safe ways to get around town by bicycle so we have over 350 miles of bike lanes and bike um paths all wow. around boulder which is very unique i totally realize that not every city is like this most cities in america are very dangerous to ride a bike mm-hmm. but uh we are what they call a platinum level bicycle friendly city as described by the league of american cyclists and there's a handful of these towns around the united states davis california i think fort collins is actually one and um yeah so it's a place where you'll see lots of parents riding their kids to school on a cargo bike you know or you know families going out on their day trips and you know we have the elite athletes here because we're at high altitude and all the the pros like to come here and train in the mountains. But it's just really a great place to ride a bike. I've never had a car in my life. I vowed to never drive essentially when I was a young young guy. And so I ride a bike everywhere and do all of my grocery shopping and errands and everything on a bike.
1: Wow. So you are in the perfect spot because it's such a bike friendly community. You can you have the luxury to be able to do that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm very lucky that I live here. And, you know, I think a lot of other cities around the nation are finally realizing, OK, this is important to have bike friendly infrastructure, because the number one re- reason why people don't want to ride bikes is because they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And my mom is in that bucket. And so if we can make more protected bike lanes and more bike paths where people feel safe to ride their bikes and not get you know run over by a car, I think that's a good thing. And cities across the the country are finally getting it and putting money into infrastructure, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've talked about this before, and I work from home now, so I don't actually commute, but, like, your mind is in a completely different place when you ride your bike to work versus get in a car and deal with traffic and just the hubbub of life in a car versus a bike.
2: Totally. You know, you think back to some of your best childhood memories, I'm guessing a lot of you out there listening, it's when you learned how to ride a bike and you feel the freedom of, of two wheels and you get to ride past the confines of your little neighborhood and you get to explore. And that's the same feeling I get every day when I ride a bike and many other people. So I think if we can get more humans riding bikes, I think it sounds crazy, but society will be better as a whole. I mean, it, it solves a lot of A lot of problems
1: yes I agree and one other thing to point out about Boulder um, that I've also seen on uh, some of your social media sites is uh, Boulder has this really cool cruiser ride right is that is that weekly or monthly
2: it's weekly and today's Friday morning so I was out there late last night cruising with all my buddies and I've been doing this since 1999 over 20 years I started cruising when I was in college Back then it was a fairly small group and the idea was just to have a group ride that was not about exercise really, no spandex. We get dressed up in costumes, we have, you know, bells and horns and we have bikes that carry loud stereos and we ride around town and whoop and holler and we wish everybody a happy Thursday and it's so fun.
1: I absolutely love that. We need more cities to adopt, you know, recreational rides like that
2: yeah yeah and i think you know more and more cities are doing it which is great you know it's just a fun way to meet people if you came on the boulder cruiser ride you'd see a slice of boulder that you wouldn't see you know on the the typical mall or something you know you get a little bit a little bit of everybody everybody feels comfortable you could be a bit of an outcast or a weirdo and everybody's welcome
1: awesome okay well that segues to my next topic a little bit about (laughs) weirdos and costumes and recreational riding you recently spent uh, at least a week in the great state of Iowa. Yay! Yay! So <laughs> everyone knows uh, I talk about it all the time, but uh, the oldest bicycle tour in the world happens here in Iowa and it's called Ragbrai and it happens the last week of July every year and I believe that you've done this multiple times. I know at least twice. But Yeah, I've done
2: it 5 times. Now.
1: What? 5 times? Yeah, so it's a it. it's a seven day tour across the state of Iowa and I'm pretty sure Ryan, you will say that Iowa is not flat. People mm-hmm. sometimes think that because all they see of it is driving on the one interstate that goes through uh, west yeah. to east, which is Interstate 80. So beyond that, tell us your Ragbri experience for 2022.
2: First of all, I loved it, and I wasn't planning on
1: it initially. I was supposed to be in Sweden riding
2: my bike from the Arctic Circle down to the bottom of Sweden. But 24 hours before the flight, the uh, airline went on strike, and all the itineraries were canceled. So I was bummed out for a few days and moping around Boulder, and then I was like, wait a second, now I can do rat ride." (laughs) (laughs) So I uh, put everything together, and originally I was just going to go alone. And then I was like, wait, maybe my girlfriend Amelia can get a week off of work and come do Ragbri with me. So she somehow finagled a last-minute uh, week-long vacation, and we both went out there together. And it was it was so great to be back in Iowa at Ragbri amongst all the wonderful people in cornfields and uh, pie vendors and, you know, flip-and-slide people. It was so fun. I loved it.
1: And uh, I got to meet you, actually, in real life, which was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, I know we've done a podcast together a couple years ago. But being able to see you on the road, and I, I don't remember what I said. I think I'm like, are you Ryan Van Duser? Or, yeah. I mean, of course, I knew it was you because your helmet. Yeah. I think Amelia asked me, you know, how did you know it was Ryan from behind? And I'm like, that helmet. Yeah. helmet is memorable. The but, evil
2: Knievel-looking yeah, helmet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that you had all of your gear on your bike. Is that true? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, yep. Every time I've done Ragbrai, actually, I carry all my own stuff. I guess we're called baggers.
1: Yes. Well, in in Iowa, typically you're called a dirty bagger because you a know dirty
0: bagger. <laughs> you might
1: not uh, be able to get a shower. But I, I'm assuming since you were on the Ragbrai route that you had a few luxuries like water and food along the way.
2: Oh yeah, Ragbrai is the greatest tour. You know. It was Amelia's first time doing an overnight bike tour. And I told her, it was like, this is the best way to do it because you don't really need to carry food or water. There's eight stations, eight stations, every few miles. Yeah. And, you know, the people are selling food and pie and fun stuff. So it's, uh, it's a very comfortable way to go on a bike tour. And then at the end of every day, speaking of showers, I always look for the town pool, Yeah, and we go to the town pool, we jump in the pool and cool off, we take showers, and then you can usually find a camp spot right next to the pool, and that's that's how I do it.
1: And you, you know, when you say you're a beggar, what you mean by that is you have your tent with you, you have your clothing, you have everything, so you don't need to go find a support vehicle or the official ragbri trailer, like you're just set. Wherever you decide to camp, you got everything. Yep.
2: Exactly. And I love the freedom of that. I, can, I have everything I need at all times. And if I want to stop at a certain place and hang out and throw up the tent, then I can do that.
1: Yeah. How would you describe the riding as far as, um, you know, the terrain of Iowa, but of course the fact that you're surrounded by, I don't know, upwards towards 20,000 other cyclists? Mm-hmm.
2: I love it. You know, it's the only... Organized bike tour I've ever done with other people. Usually my adventures, I am solo on my own in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> there are definitely no Amish people selling me pies <laughs> out on the Colorado Trail. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's I love riding with all the people. I love energy. I love huge groups of people. You know, I run races a lot, and I love just the community and everybody's supportive and fun. And rag rides kind of like the Boulder Cruiser ride where you'll see a little bit of everybody out there. It's not just fast people in spandex on $10,000 road bikes. There's people out on unicycles and cruiser bikes and fat bikes and mountain bikes and people who just pull their old Schwinn out of the barn and jump on Ragbri for a day. And it's just, it's, it's just heartwarming and welcoming and I love it. And so I, so I hope for the rest of my life that Ragbri will be, a part of my summers.
1: Yes, I hope so too. And you know, Ragbrai Fifty is going yeah. to be happening next year, so I'm really excited and curious to see uh, what's in store for us.
2: Yeah, I hope they get, you know, all the bands they play all week on the stereos, you know, the classic rock. Maybe they can get them all in real life and have an <laughs> ultimate concert.
1: Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of awesome, let's talk about your sweet bike, because
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if it's the bike that you rode on Ragbri, but I know that you're responsible for actually helping design. Yeah. Let's hear it.
2: Yeah, so during the pandemic, March of the pandemic, everything got shut down, all of my travels... And I have a very close relationship with Priority Bicycles in New York City. And I called them up and I said, hey, I know that, you know, you mostly make like roundtown commuter style bikes, but I want a mountain bike. That's really what I love doing. And let's, uh, let's, let's design a mountain bike. They said, right on, let's do it. So I went back and forth with um, some of the people at Priority with design ideas. And we put together a really cool hardtail bike packing adventure machine that's low maintenance because it has all of the internal gearing and the carbon belt drive, the Gates carbon belt drive, and it's just a bomb-proof adventure bike. And I did not ride that on ride this year, but my girlfriend Amelia did.
1: Ah, okay. Um,
2: yeah, which was really fun. And um, yeah, so it, it's cool to have a bike out there with my slogan on it. There's a, It says, get out there with a little outline of the Boulder Flatiron Mountains, the famous mountains.
1: Oh, wow. So wait, are you saying that other people could buy that bike?
2: Well, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I didn't just build it just for me. I want to, you know, to share the this dream bike with the world. And essentially that's what it is. It's like I've always wanted to design the bike that I would want, you know, with all the perfect specs. Because I've had lots of different bikes over the years and some are good here and some are good there, but they don't have everything. This bike to me has everything and it's exciting. It's called the Priority 600X, but you can call it the Doozer Cruiser.
1: Oh yeah, awesome! <laughs> and I think you know that's another thing. Back to Ragbri, what's fun about it is you're on pavement. I would say 99 percent of the yeah. 400 and plus miles. But I was the same as you guys. I was on an adventure bike. I had bigger tires. Um, I have a steel frame, but yeah. it didn't really matter because again, it wasn't a race, right? This is a recreational yep. tour. You're looking at all the things. You're stopping and taking pictures and seeing the Ham- Amish people with their pie. So it was more about comfort and yeah. you nailed it. I mean, if you found the bike that fits you and is perfect for your adventures, you know there's somebody else out there that will say the same about your bike.
2: Totally. Yeah, and I saw a few other of them out there. So it's it's exciting. You know, we started selling the bike in July of 2020 and people have it now. And I saw some on Ragbri, which was exciting.
1: Yeah, all right, so go to Priority Bikes. Listeners yeah, the 600X.
2: and 600X.
1: Check out the 600X. I have to talk about some of your other adventures because, like you said, most of the vent- adventures you do are solo and what I would call really, really difficult. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, you're climbing through rocks and mud and snow. Snow. Like, I saw one video. I think you were with um, – I can't remember her name, your friend. Oh, Dana. Dana. And you guys were on this beautiful, I don't know, dirt road, and it started sprinkling. Yeah. And your tires went from normal tires to full of peanut butter mud within minutes, at least on the video.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, that looked. It happened instantly. (laughs) That
1: looked so brutal. But anyway, give us some, I don't know, tell us about maybe an adventure that you've been on lately.
2: Yeah, so I've always loved pushing myself physically and mentally. I feel like adventures make me a better person at the end of the day. I'm more compassionate and patient and more connected to nature and to myself and with fellow humans who I meet along the way. So I really value my time out in the woods. And, you know, this past year I did some pretty difficult adventures. I guess we can talk about the Colorado Trail, which is a 5 550 mile hiking trail through the mountains of Colorado, but bikes are allowed on most of it. And this was by far the hardest bike adventure I'd ever been on. I mean, high altitude the whole time, extremely technical terrain, lots of hike a bike, pushing bikes up and down mountains, you know, summer hail storms and lightning storms. Mm. And it pushed me to my absolute limits, but you know, in the moment, Yeah, it might be a bummer and it might be very uncomfortable, but it's one of those things I call type two fun where afterwards you're like, wow, that was really unique. (laughs) And even though that was really hard and I was hating life for a little bit, I'm really glad that I pushed myself through all these tough times. And then when I do these things, you know, voluntarily, when I go on these adventures, you know, it helps me in my day to day life when things that I don't control, you know, go out of whack or go south. I'm like, okay everything's going to be all right. I've been here before. I can solve this problem. And it really does help me in my day to day life.
1: Yeah. And somehow you can nail this down too. And it shows in your videos. But when you're on those long stretches, and maybe, you know, hiking through three feet deep snow is not the perfect example. (laughs) But when you're having those long stretches by yourself, like how do you keep your mental game so positive?
2: I get a lot of these comments on my YouTube video, like, how are you still smiling when you're, you know, pushing through, you know, 20 miles of snow on your bike? (laughs) And, you know, it's, I take the time to just really be present in the moment and be like, okay, this is hard right now, but I'm still outside. I still have a bike full of food and water. I'm going to be okay. Like if I had to stop right here right now, I could just put up my tent and be fine. And, you know, it's fun. At the end of the day, it's, it's all fun. I get, I'm get i playing outside. And some days are harder than others. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, what I tell people a lot is like, okay, what if I did get frustrated or sad or angry and let my, you know, frustrations get the best of me? Then that's not going to help at all in any of these situations. Like, you really have to keep your head in the game mm-hmm. to keep moving forward. And for me, I that's how I use humor. You know, I sing to myself. Or you know, I just try to make it as you know comfortable as possible, even though it's extremely uncomfortable.
1: Right, and I guess you know, to be honest, you probably don't push the record button when you're really, really frustrated. Right.
2: You know, sometimes I do. Oh, <laughs> those do you? are the moments. Yeah, yeah, those are the moments that I think are really important to capture, because otherwise you're just making videos showing all the triumphant moments. Yeah, and that's not that's not very real. And I really, my channel has always been real i want it to be genuine i want to show people what i'm going through both good and bad and so some of those videos you, you see me break down and i'm you know struggling big time and uh just like a regular movie that we go watch at the theater like the tough parts are what bring the viewers in oh yeah yeah you know you, you get you get, gain an emotional connection to the character and uh, I've always tried to be very open with my audience about all sorts of different topics. And uh, I think uh, for me, it's it's almost like therapy. I get to talk to my camera out there in the moment mm-hmm. and just like say it out loud, which helps me. And then when I edit the videos together, you know, people comment and say, "Wow, you know, we really appreciate you showing the tough stuff because you know <laughs> it shows us that you're you're just a regular guy like all of us."
1: Yeah. Do you ever, you know, like when you're in the editing mode, you're already back, you're gotten rest, so you, you know, you're that what do you call it, type two fun? Yeah, you know, you're kind of forgetting all the really hard parts. So when you're editing, do you sometimes look at what you've done and where you've been, and you're like, did I really just do that?
2: Totally, yeah. Because in the moment, you're just charging hard, and sometimes it's it's really it's difficult to have a perspective of of exactly what you're doing. But then when you finish, you know, a great divide or a Colorado trail, you're like, "Wow, I just rode my bike really far through some really crazy terrain and I'm proud of myself."
1: Yeah, there's definitely some videos I've watched where I'm kind of like taking a deep breath like, "Oh, no, don't don't do that. Don't do that." Yeah. And then you're kind of usually you're laughing or like, "Ooh, like okay, yeah. here we go." But you're still with us. You're you're obviously, yeah. you know, stay within your levels of safety
2: yeah and that's important too because at the end of the day i want to come home you know i don't want to do stuff that's so crazy that i'm putting my life at risk and you know riding a bike is inherently risky especially if you're on the roads with unpredictable car behavior and that's why i've been choosing more dirt adventures so Mm -hmm. i don't have to even deal with cars you know, distracted driving has become such a problem that I just don't trust vehicles, drivers in vehicles anymore.
1: Right.
2: So I, I really search out adventures that are far away, which presents its own, you know, list of complications. You know, if you get hurt in the middle of nowhere, you might be in trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, one of the stars that are in quite a few hmm. of your videos is Mira the Dog, and yep. I absolutely love every time that you um, either run into your friend John or you plan a trip with John, and John's the owner of Mira. So give us an hi- uh, like a highlight or two about Mira the dog.
2: Mira is the most wonderful dog in the world. <laughs> if you've watched my channel, everybody loves Mira. She's charming and funny and nonstop energy, and she loves fetching sticks even after <laughs> you know a long day of bike packing. You know, in some mornings, you know, she'll wake up early and run out of John's tent and run over to my tent and start like batting at the tent for me to wake up and play. (laughs) So our energy really, uh, we, we connect really well. I have a deep connection with Mira and I met them on the Baja Divide out in the middle of nowhere, Baja Peninsula, Mexico in 2020, just before the pandemic. They were on a ride of their own and I ran into them and John knew who I was on the videos and we ended up riding together for six days became really good friends and of course you know Mira is along for the ride as well and (laughs) since then we've been able to to meet up a few other times Mm -hmm. they are currently on a worldwide dog packing tour he calls it so they're down in uh, southern Mexico right now and I'll try to meet them somewhere down the road whenever I can
1: yeah will you will you briefly describe how Mira actually does these bike rides
2: Yes. So John has like an extended, rear, you know, bike. So it's a little longer. And he has a he has a basket that goes behind his seat. That's a pretty big basket. And so Mira rides in the basket quite a bit. You know, if he's on flat ground or if he's on roads with lots of cars. But then there are moments when Mira gets to run around. If, if you know, if John's going up a steep hill, there's no way that he can carry Mira up it. So she, he'll he'll get her out. hmm. And she'll run alongside, and then she jumps in and out of the basket all day long. And they have an amazing relationship. It's really fascinating to watch them work together. It's almost like, you know, a dog sledding or something. Mm. And everybody who comes across Mira, whether we're in a tiny town in Mexico or in Montana, immediately falls in love with Mira. She is a human dog. You know, some dogs that love humans. <laughs> yes, yeah. She loves humans. She doesn't love other dogs as much, but she loves any human. And she knows how to charm him,
1: and, and it's amazing to watch because she'll be in that basket. Um, I think she has little, I, I call them doggles, like dog goggles yeah. when it's, you know, windy or sandy. Mm-hmm. And then it, it seems like a pretty smooth motion where John will reach back and kind of let her jump down. Yep. And then she'll run along with you guys and then poop. She's back in the, back in the yep. basket and resting. And it's, I don't know, I'm super impressed.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and he actually has her on a little leash that's tied around his waist. So he'll if they're riding and he's you know, in motion, he'll tug it and she'll jump out and run alongside for a little bit. And she's still connected to him. Mm-hmm. So she can't like run off. Sometimes he does like let her just run free. And then, you know, if he's going up a steep or if he's going down like a steep hill, he'll put her back in the basket and, and cruise down. And it's just in and out all day.
1: I love it and I'm sure Mira the dog is living her best life.
2: Oh, she's got to, she's the luckiest dog in the world. <laughs> yeah. He gets to play every single day, run around and fetch sticks all over the world.
1: Yes. Okay, and speaking of play, another really fun thing I love about your videos is when you're on long rides, you do What I'm going to call crazy fun things, like you cheer on trains and you do your ole ole in tunnels, and like how did that come to be, or is that just is that just the way that you are?
2: Yeah, it's kind of the way that I am. (laughs) I sing to myself all the time, and I tell people when I'm in like hard moments, I sing Christmas carols a lot to myself. Oh, nice! It's because they're they're, like comforting music and brings me back to Christmas time, which I love. Um, but, you know, at the beginning of every ride, I, I have a little chant that I've been doing since I first my first bike adventure, riding home from Honduras back to Boulder. And it goes, no crashes, no flatties, no, no whammies. whammies. And that's a play off a TV show back in the 80s called Press Your Luck. Oh, where, yeah, yeah. You know, where they go, no whammies, no whammies, big money, big money. And the whammies were like these little troll guys that would come and take all your money away in this game show. And when I was riding home from Honduras, I remember just saying to myself, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, just to kind of ward off the evil spirits. And then I added on, no flatties, no crashies. And, you know, that's become something that I do every day. And people have really, uh, you know, I meet people all the time that say it themselves now. And then Ole, I love the Ole chant because yeah. I lived in Mexico for a while. I would go to soccer games and the whole stadium would be chanting Ole, 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 Ole. And I just love the energy of it. And so, yeah, whenever I go through a tunnel, of course, tunnels are fun to scream in because they echo. So I always do the LA chant through tunnels. And, yeah, I want to have as much fun as possible out there when I'm on my bike. And me being a dorky goofball really adds to it.
1: (laughs) That makes you who you are. Yeah. (laughs) Do you – okay, this is a, a question I ask a lot of people Um, And the question is, what inspires you to get back on the bike? Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe you're just, it's just part of you. So you probably don't even need inspiration.
2: Not, I mean, there are times where I get a little burnt out from, because I exercise a lot and sometimes my body's just like, give it a rest, buddy. (laughs) You know, earlier this year, I was feeling pretty physically burnt out. And um, I just kind of had to chill for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and You know, but getting the motivation back isn't hard because I know how fun it is. And for me, I don't have a car, so I'm always on my bike, whether it's just riding to the grocery store or something further. Mm-hmm. Um, but bikes are just fun. They really are fun. And I think that for me, it's it's a huge factor in my everyday mood is getting on my bike for a little bit, getting outside, breathing fresh air, you know, noticing a beautiful cloud in the sky or birds chirping. It's just the little things that you don't get when you're sitting in your apartment you're sitting in a car. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, bikes really put you out there, which is nice.
1: And even if you're like, I I just need to get on my bike for a few minutes, I doubt there's ever a time. I'm trying to think if I've ever had a time where I get done with a bike ride and I'm in a worse mood than I started. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Okay, so not only are you a biker, you're also an endurance runner. Mm-hmm. Like what? So Like what? <laughs> I know, you do all these amazing, amazing bike adventures, but you also do super yeah. crazy long-distance running. So yeah. which which came first, running or biking?
2: Running did. Yeah, I've been a ah. runner since I was a little kid. We had like a one-mile race every year at my elementary school. And I took that race really seriously mm-hmm. and I was a good runner. And so I would win this race and I loved the feeling of winning, but I also love the feeling of running and moving fast. And from that point on, I've always jumped into local races and I ran in high school and I love running. Running is even more simple than riding a bike. All you need is a pair of shoes. Yeah. And so on a day-to-day level, I run more than I bike hmm. for sure. And in the last five years, I've gotten into the ultra-distance stuff, you know, the 100-milers. I did Leadville last year, and I love it. It's fun. It's another way to push my body. It's definitely, I wouldn't say as fun as biking. Biking is definitely more fun, Mm -hmm. but I, I do love the simplicity of running and just putting on some shoes, running out my door, and just exploring the foothills near where I live.
1: Yeah, and not only are you doing like ultra long distance, like for example, you um, videoed yourself doing, Mm. I think it was the 100 mile, it might have been Leadville, or some long distance, right? So not only are you out running epic distances, you're like, have your arms stretched out, and you're like (laughs) filming yourself and filming others around you, and you're maintaining your high energy and your excitement, like, holy crap, that's amazing,
2: yeah, it's fun. You know, I like to document not only bike adventures but my running adventures as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, people always say, D- "You don't you think you could run a lot faster in these races if you weren't busy filming all of them?" And I don't know if that's true because the the camera helps take my mind off the pain. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if I'm mile eighty of a of a hundred mile race, I pull out the camera and start talking to it about what I'm going through. It kind of just helps me process the moment rather than just keep it all in yeah uh, yeah i I really enjoy it
1: well do you have any upcoming adventures that you want to share
2: i'm gonna do the leadville 100 again here in august august 20th
1: bike or run
2: uh, run yeah
1: no way that's coming right up
2: it's coming right up so i've been training quite a bit for that and uh, I don't know exactly what adventure I'll do this September or October, but I will definitely find something to do. There's a trail called the Oregon Timber Trail that looks really nice. It's kind of like the Colorado Trail. It goes all the way across Oregon. And uh, I don't know. I'm always open to new things, and I have a long list of adventures. I just have to, you know, make them happen.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, until you get your next video up, we have to make sure listeners go to Dozer TV. You can get caught up in hours and hours of watching you on different adventures and I can tell you've inspired me in more than one situation, but hopefully other people are as well.
2: I uh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's the that's really the goal at the end of the day is to show people something that they may not think is possible for themselves. And then, you know, baby steps, they go out there and do it. And I get emails every single day from people saying, oh man, I found your videos and I pulled my bike out of the garage after 20 years. I pumped up the tires and I went on my first bike ride of 15 miles and it felt so good. And then on the other end, I get people who go right across the country and it's changed their life. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the goal with my content. And I love hearing from people.
1: Well, if people want to follow you, obviously, I mentioned Duzer TV on YouTube. What other social outlets do you have?
2: I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's a good one. And my handle is just at Duzer, D-U-Z-E-R. And I do Twitter and all that other stuff. But YouTube is really where I put all of my heart and soul.
1: Excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story about, you know, enjoying RAGBRAI here in Iowa, but also just all the other adventures you do.
2: Yeah, it's, I loved it. I loved meeting you in real life at RAGBRAI this year, finally. And, you know, Iowa will always hold a special place in my heart, and that's 100% due to Ragbri and the wonderful people I've met over the five years that I've done it. It's the most amazing bike event in the world, and I, you know, I come home and I tell everybody about it. So hopefully the 50th next year will be the biggest ever. Yeah,
1: and now you know what it means when people say, Iowa, nice.
2: Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's the nicest state by far. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Have a good one.
1: Well, listeners, that is it for this week. We both want to thank
0: you for tuning in to listen to the Just Go Bike podcast. And if you'd like to contact us with a comment about the podcast, or maybe you have a topic in mind, you can reach us at JustGoBike bike podcast at gmail.com or you can also follow us on social media at just go bike on facebook twitter and instagram
1: please rate review and subscribe to this podcast especially if you're a fan and if you have any extra time pop on over to the morphology podcast for more bike adventure
0: interviews all right that's a wrap we'll be back next week until then just go, go bike, bike.